Rockford, Nikos, and Chris Westcott, none of them are in my life active. Um, all three of them ended in you know, different degrees of pain and discomfort. And I've learned for me that one of the most important things I can do with people is that I don't get fixated on who that person is for the connection. Instead, I stay focused on the connection. Because if that is the key, if the antithesis to addiction is not recovery or sobriety, but connection, okay, so then me being connected is of utmost importance. So then I have to have the willingness and the courage to move along when these friendships end. It's National Recovery Month, and I'm taking you behind the scenes into my recovery one day at a time leading up to Friday, six years continuous sobriety. But don't get hung up on the time because it took me a whole decade before I found these six years. I'm going to talk about it right now. Three days. It's Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. So this morning, Tuesday morning, doing Tuesday things. That's something that I learned once. I heard somebody talk about, yeah, today's Tuesday, you do Tuesday things. And it's really um, an invitation to be in today and to live one day at a time. In fact, I just got a text message from my bestie, John Harvey Cates. And he said that he was reading on LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, he saw this article about someone saying, oh, let's see that you divide your day into four quadrants. And so if you fail, then you make it a goal to succeed the next three blocks of time. It made me think of you. So fail in the morning, but succeeded the rest of the day. Three out of four is a win. And so Tuesday things kind of living this mindful presence for the day, one day at a time, you know, maybe you're awake for 12 hours, maybe you're awake for 14. You stay focused on that and you learn to train and discipline and teach yourself to be there on Tuesday things. So for me today on Tuesday things, I have a lot of work going on right now for um, my work work with my freelancing business and clients and digital demands maybe more more than I've ever had in my life. And then on the other side, I'm doing Viral Mindfulness Academy and I'm writing and building a, a premier course. And so I'm doing rewrites and I'm also writing regularly on my book memoir. I'm just in the initial drafting phase. So I'm really doing a lot of things. And so today, this morning, Before work time starting, I was doing my meditation. I was reading from my books and close to 8.15, I had a memory. And so this episode is dedicated to Chris, Chris Westcott, Chris W. We used to talk at 8.15 a.m. Monday through Friday for 10 months. He was the sponsor I found in Gay AA in Southern California. He was also HIV positive and also dealt with 
loving meth and marijuana, and he spoke my story and we worked together. He was my first sponsor. And 8.15 was the time we would talk and he would always finish the call by saying, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. He also constantly remind me, trust God, clean house, and help others. And so Chris Westcott no longer is alive. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I have a picture of him right here that I'm going to be painting a portrait of him for the House of Blue portrait series, a series I'm working on of watercolors and portraits. And I love you so much. And there's nothing you can do about that. Not even your choice to exit planet Earth and take your life and die by suicide. And thank you for taking those calls in the when I was unraveling, when I was coming undone. So I've been feeling a little vulnerable. I kind of want to be anonymous about this part of my life. And then I get these surges of energy to do what I'm doing right here. And I wanted to talk about how my recovery is no longer mine. So I've become aware that what if I'm sober now and the gift somehow, the miracle to have the obsession for drugs and alcohol be alleviated in my life, taken from me, um, I don't know. I mean, I tried so long to get sober, 10 years. So there's two things. One is my recovery is no longer mine. It's something I must give away in order to keep it. And that's a very strong principle in the 12 steps. Um, in the Buddhist community, an idea that I've learned is that may my offering, may my recovery become an offering to others. And so just as much as Rockford Orvin carried the message to me, perhaps my experience can give hope to someone else that it is possible because I didn't think it was possible for me to stop smoking weed for even like 30 days. I didn't have success for seven years with that substance. So the second thing with this is I wanted to say that I'm not approaching this because I am looking for attention or praise. I am a public figure and I have not a public figure. That sounds so arrogant. I am public and vulnerable and honest about a lot of things. And I have been since I was a kid. In fact, I remember <laughs> when I was like 12 years old and I was a Mormon in Utah, I got up in a congregation and it was testimony meeting and that's a space where members could just get up and share a testimony and I stood up and talked about how sad I was that my parents needed the money that my dad hadn't been working for a couple of years and they needed money and so they said to sell my grand piano because I was studying classical piano for several years many five-ish and then I stopped playing so much and they needed to sell the piano for parts and money to carry forward the business of raising our family. And I like said this right at the pulpit and totally embarrassed my father. But the coolest thing with that one was that there was actually someone listening who was a wealthy entrepreneur or a philanthropist. Wait, is that the word? <laughs> yes. She wanted to buy me a grand piano and donate it to me too because I was friends with her grandkids and her kids and she heard I was a wonderful pianist. Anyway, so back to the subject at hand. I am 
I came out with my HIV status on CNN in 2011. And so I feel like you should know that I'm not six years continuous sober, just like, bam. You know, it took me 10 years prior to this six years to go up and down for 10 years. In 2005, it became crystal clear that I was addicted to methamphetamine. I was using it with needles and I used all kinds of other drugs, but primarily weed and meth and supplemented with everything else. And I knew that I needed help. And it took me 10 years until I finally found a way. But all those 10 years and all the efforts I made, the recovery programs, the spiritual programs, well, it was never a recovery program, nor was it ever a community of addicts. I was too afraid to do that, too worried about my profession in Utah and all kinds of other things. But I did do a lot of things to make efforts, and I even went five years without using meth and still used other substances. So don't think that, you know, this six years that I'm approaching this week is you know, it's kind of like that phenomenon where, you know, an entrepreneur is making huge money with their online business. And they're like, wow, where did that come from? And they're like, I've been building this for 15 years. Or when my friend recently said to me, wow, you're such a good watercolor painter. And I'm like, I've been doing it since 2005. It's been like 15 years. Or one of these days, you're all going to be looking and say, how did you design this viral mindfulness academy with all these amazing offerings. I'll be like, I've been working on it for like 20 years. Um, right now I'm working on the writing projects that I mentioned to you and they're kicking my ass, but as they should be, that's how it goes. I just didn't realize it was this much work to write and rewrite and edit and do surgery on everything. Hope. There is hope. I don't know. I don't know how it all came together, but it happened for me. So 16 years, six with continuous sobriety, no effort is ever lost. Remember that. And if you're not keeping time and continuous, like just begin again, start again, find a new idea, a new support system, a new therapist, fire the one you have, get a one that's more inspired try a support group, do it for a year. I've talked about that already this week. Reconstructing one's life is poetry. And the last thing I want to remind you of for today's installment of this podcast extravaganza is that learning to sit with one's discomfort and pain is part of what I've learned here in recovery and being sober and it takes time you know it took me a good 16 well 10 11 12 years to set up my formula of unhealthy using of drugs and alcohol and so I mean six years now I've been abstinence and so what if it takes me another six to reconstruct life without these substances and I just think that they're there's space for more gentleness and kindness and compassion. And also, it's really important that we learn how to deal with life on life's terms. That's a phrase in 12 steps. Life is painful too. And life is everything and all of it. Here zu sein ist so viel. That's Rilke 
and that's German. To be here is so immense, is so much. Hier zu sein ist zu viel. And for me, learning to be with the pain and the discomfort. For example, I'll just finish with this one story to be relevant here today on Tuesday. So many of the friends that I'm dedicating these first few episodes, all three of them are no longer in my life. Rockford, Nikos, and Chris Westcott. None of them are in my life active. Um, All three of them ended in you know, different degrees of pain and discomfort. And I've learned for me that one of the most important things I can do with people is that I don't get fixated on who that person is for the connection. Instead, I stay focused on the connection. Because if that is the key, if the antithesis to addiction is not recovery or sobriety, but connection. Okay, so then me being connected is of utmost importance. So then I have to have the willingness and the courage to move along when these friendships end, even if I'm at fault. Um, and even when they're at fault, I still have to forgive and move on. And that's just being connected with people. There's also connection to one's creativity and connection to one's higher power, God, one's Buddha nature within, the potential lies within. This is fun. I just want to tell you that I was feeling vulnerable about this. You know, when I was a kid, I had this cousin who asked me why I hung pictures of Jesus Christ all over my room when I was a Christian and Mormon and she had the audacity to suggest that I was doing it for attention. And it was just such a foreign thing to me that she would ask and suggest something. It was my room, my space. I decorated my room with those pictures because they brought me into connection with Jesus to the God of my understanding at that time in my life. And so if any of you are thinking, why are you talking about this? Why are you touting your sobriety i'm not i'm just telling you what's working for me and that this is possible and i never thought it would be i struggled deeply for a decade and now in my life i'm experiencing salary and benefits of peace and connection and meeting some of my most important creative goals and since tomorrow's work work Wednesday, I will talk a little bit more about creativity and the work that matters so much to me, which includes this. All my love to your next mindful step. See you tomorrow.